What's up, everybody? You're on the Bulletproof Mafia, and I'm Michael Munsterman. Today's episode, take your seat. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. From the top to the bottom, I was raised to be solid. Really, at every angle, I ain't worried about the oddity. Never see the hate, tunnel vision on the profit. Boss moves if I want it, best believe I cops it. Team so tough, moving silence like the mafia. Trying to get the form whip, probably name it Claudia. White it's been about a week or 10 days ago now. I, uh, I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw uh, one of my friends had posted that she had a friend that she was trying to help sell a couple of Garth Brooks tickets. So I DM'd her, I messaged her I'm like, hey, Christina, I would love an opportunity to grab those tickets from you. And she's like, cool, I'll connect you guys. And so I didn't ask where the seats were. I didn't ask what he paid for them. I didn't care. He wanted 200 bucks for the tickets. And I was like, yeah, I'll take them. And so uh, I Venmoed him the money and he sent me two tickets via Ticketmaster's uh, app. And, and I was on, on my way to the races. I never looked to see where they were, where the seats were. I didn't care. I just had decided I was going to take my wife. We were going to watch Garth Brooks. And so we did. We, uh, my wife had went to Nashville that week and she got back early on Saturday. And, and so I guess it was just exactly a week ago that we actually went with just a couple days notice. She got back in, in KC at about four o'clock on Saturday. And, and we were at Garth Brooks at seven, seven, seven thirty. Anyway, uh, lots of people had loaded in the stadium because we got stuck in some traffic and and so we get to the stadium we show our tickets like yep come on in you're gonna need a wristband to get down to the floor and i'm like holy shit like i just paid 200 dollars for a sold out concert like we're talking about so this is at arrowhead stadium which they sold 74,500 tickets to this event and so us getting there at at 7 45 whatever lots of people had piled into the stadium already and in, in fact, it looked pretty full when we got there and then it continued to fill for the, the following, you know, the next hour or so. But when we got there, Martina McBride was on stage and she was singing. And, and so we get our wristbands and we, I looked down at the ticket and it says, um, FLRM gate G row nine seats, nine and 10. And I'm like, okay, cool. Gate G that's section G. I see a G over there on the floor. I'm like, come on, sweetheart. Look, we're heading over there. So we head up and, and, I mean, we're a stone's throw away from the, from the stage. We're going to be able to see the sweat on his brow, Garth Brooks and Martine McBride singing. And so I'm like, this is freaking awesome. So I get my phone out. I make sure. Yep. Uh, it says FLRM. I assume that means floor. And then it says, uh, uh, gate G. So I'm thinking G again, uh, row nine seats, nine and 10. And so we, we find our section, the G section, and we find the row, row nine, and we start, you know, we've got to navigate across eight people's laps. And as we get closer, I'm like, man, this row seems pretty full. And I look up and it's like, there's this big section of blonde haired, younger girls and a couple older ladies. And I'm like, hey, uh, these, it's, of course, it's really loud. Martina McBride's on stage singing. We're like, these are our seats. And, and so um, I stand there and I show them and I'm like, I'm pointing to it so the people all around us can see Hey, these are their seats. And, and this lady's like, these are our seats. They're not. And she's belligerent about it. But I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm showing her my, my phone. I'm showing her the seats. I show the, the two girls that are closest to me 
and the mothers are, are down farther. And one lady says, you're just going to have to wait till my husband gets back and we'll figure this out. Then I'm like, look, man, I'm not figuring out anything. It's right here on my phone. These are our seats. We're going to squeeze in here. So you guys, I don't know if you're just scooted down. You need to make room. And I couldn't understand, like, why wouldn't you just scoot down and let us into our seats? And, and so finally the girls say, look, I don't know. There must've been a mix up. We'll, we'll go on ahead and go. And so they step out and they head away from our seats. I think exactly. Now the entire row gets pissed off and I'm talking about all seven or eight of these women vacate the row mean mugging us the whole way being belligerent. And I'm thinking, man, it's hard to believe that all of these seats are supposed to be empty. And we're the first ones here in this section, but I don't think anything about it. I'm just like, okay, dope. It is what it is. And so I'm standing there. Um, we're listening to Martina McBride. We, we, we hear a couple songs. Like we're so close when they leave the row, the row behind us starts to cheer and they're patting us on the shoulders and yeah. And, and we are shooting some videos and they're getting in our videos and we're, you know, we're, we're becoming, you know, concert buddies. You've been in that. If you've ever been to a live show, like you, you kind of get to know the people around you. Right. And, and it was just really, really cool. And I, I thought to myself, I'm like, look, you did a phenomenal job. You held your ground. You were confident. You were standing on your facts. Like this is my section. This is my row. These are my, these are my seats and, and FLRM gate, gate G row nine seats, nine and 10. And, and like, I don't know if I'll ever forget that, but that's what it was. And, and so I'm standing there and I'm, we're watching and this is just awesome. I'm like, dude, I lean over to my wife. I'm like, these are really great seats for 200 bucks. She's like, yeah, they are. And then a few minutes later, this guy comes up taps me on the shoulder and he says, Hey, you're, you're in our seats. And I said, was that your wife that, that argued with me and then left? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. He goes, I go, look, I've been through this with your wife. So I pull up my phone. I I'm irritated now. Cause like, dude, leave me alone. Like you guys obviously are lost or some kind of a double booking. I'm not sure. I'm not figuring this shit out. This is where I'm supposed to be. So I pull up my phone. I show it to him. I'm like, look, and he goes, yeah, look, F L R M floor section M. And instantly I realized, oh shit. <laughs> and his was FLRG. And so I said, oh bro, I'm, I'm sorry. I, this is what I looked at. And I asked them like, show me and nobody could. So I just said, well, these are, this is, he's like, no, it's cool, but these are our seats. So uh, I'd really like my family. To, I'm like, nope, no, no apology necessary. No explanation necessary. I was wrong. And so I said, look, dude, my bad. And I shake his hand. I exit the row and you know, his wife was so friendly. She gave me the finger on my way out and you know, to give me a gift like that, <laughs> snarl at us as we walk by. And the sad, what's funny about that is, is even when I was wrong and we turned to leave, I glanced back at the row behind us and they're like, oh man, that sucks. And, and so I don't know if they just didn't love the people sitting in front of them or if they just really wanted the underdog, like, to have two people come in and just stand their ground and watch an entire row of eight evacuate was kind of, it was cool, but I was wrong. And so FLRM, I do the walk of shame back about 50 rows back, hop into section M and uh, I can still see the stage barely binoculars would have been pretty good, but um, no, it was about, it was about 65 yards from, from Garth. So you can imagine it wasn't nearly as close as we were, but it was still really, really cool. Great concert, great performance. And I chuckled with my wife and I really didn't think about it much at that point. And then the next morning I was 
you know, and, and this is something that I do every day, every day in the mornings, I, I, when I'm getting ready, I try to make it uninterrupted sound. So I'm talking about your typical shit, shower, shave period, right? I I'm sound off. I'm, I'm thinking about the wins from yesterday. I'm thinking about what I have to do today. I'm thinking about the defeats. And I do this Saturday, Sunday, Monday. It doesn't matter what day of the week it is. It's, it's just part of my ritual. And I was thinking about it and I just felt this, take your seat. Oh, man, that was so funny. And as I was, as I was reflecting on it, I, I got to thinking about the fact that I went in there completely wrong, but totally confident with these facts behind my story, or I thought they were facts, or totally fiction, so the guy tromped me, right? But I felt like I was going into this conversation totally bulletproof, that, hey, look, here, these are my seats. Get your asses out of my seats. I just fucking knew that I was right. And I wasn't. And I thought about that from a couple different perspectives. One is, like, and, and, and the obvious one from, from the perspective for me is, where else am I not taking my seat? Where is the authority inside of me preventing me from walking into a situation? Because you could look at it and be like, man, I was totally embarrassed and I had to do a walk of shame. Or you could look at it like, look, I was so confident. I was able to elevate my life situation 60 rows. I convinced six or eight women to leave their seats while my wife and I stood there confidently and got to enjoy several songs up close and personal with Martina McBride. Or I could look at it like, man, I, I was totally defeated in that situation. But my authority and my conviction and my, 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 look, I was cool about it. I wasn't disrespectful. I just stood on like, look, this is what it is. Prove me wrong. And you know the thing? Most people are timid. They're weak in their presentation. And I don't, I don't, I don't come out and attack from an, a place of arrogance. I don't come out and attack from a place of we're going to do it my way. I don't come out and like, I don't bulldog dog into situations. I'm just firm and confident, a steady step in the direction that I'm trying to go. Uh, and whenever I see something and I want it, I move in that direction. I gather all of the resources necessary to get there. I focus on it. I level in on it. And those girls didn't stand a chance because they were in my seats. I was sure of it. And the only thing that could have derailed me is if the guy had been there with his phone and said, look, here are the facts. You're wrong. So where else? Where else in my life? And I start to think about this. What, what about my wife? Like, where in my relationship am I not being confident? Where am I not stepping into? What am I not doing with her to give us the best look on our relationship? Where, what am I doing to, to seduce her? Like, and look, I, I don't mean that in a, in a perverted, disgusting sense. I just mean, this is my queen. My job is to continuously pursue her, aggressively approach her, love her the best that I can and, and elevate our relationship and make it better, protect us always. And, and, and where is this conversation coming from when it comes to take your seat? Well, the second that I'm timid, the second that I back down, if I had approached that, that row of, of people differently, if I had went up and been like, oh man, well, maybe it's not my seat, sweetheart. Come on, let's go stand out here. Then we're awkwardly standing while I'm scratching my head. I've got to go find somebody. We're missing more of the show. Like uh, maybe I'm uncomfortable. Maybe, maybe it was my seat. And so I put myself out in the aisle because I'm being the nice guy and I stand out there for five or six or eight or 10 minutes. And then I've got to go get an authority to come take care of me. Like there's so many situations, but being bold and just busting in there and being like, these are my seats. And look, I, I recognize that there's a place to be timid and meek, but, 
But more often than not, people are just weak. Look at our country right now, the way that it is. Why is it that we're being shoved around? It's because we won't take the seat. We won't stand up and say, this is our fucking country. This is what I believe. This is what I stand for. We're being shoved like, like so aggressively. And as a nation, we don't just take the seat. We don't stand up in confidence and say, whoa, enough. And this is what I think about. I think about, okay, my, my, my physicality, my, my body, the, like when I think about, you know, where am I? Where do I want to be? Or like, what is it that I'm struggling with? Why am I not in confidence moving towards an objective? And this is, this is just being real with you lately. I've, I've been afloat in this conversation. Like I haven't been where I wanted to be in the conversation of, of my physicality. I've let it slip while I'm focusing on other areas of my life. This podcast, this is a, this is a conversation. This is something I want to be in the middle of. And I took a break because it, like I required another, I required focus elsewhere, but, but this is a seat that I want to take. I want to be at the table of people that are adding value to the marketplace, not expecting anything back in return. Look, you end up on Amazon and you buy my book. That's cool. Savvy by Michael Munster. When I grow up, I want to be rich. That's the title. Go find it. Shameless plug. It was like, man, I want to be mentored by Michael. Go to michaelmunsterman.com. You can find your way. Yeah, that, those are the areas that I could get paid potentially to help. But it's not my hunt. It's not my pursuit. It's not what, it's not the thing that I'm chasing that I'm hoping that the trigger gets pulled. For me, I just genuinely get fulfilled when I feel like I'm giving to people. That's a seat and I'm going to take it. And maybe I'll go back and edit the, the, the bullshit plugs there because really it is just about you listening to this. There's 108 or nine episodes. You can go back and listen to every one of them. You can get a deep dive into the way that I think. You can understand how I would go about mentoring somebody because these are the, like, these are the things that I want to teach. When I say, it's not about, hey, I went to a Garth Brooks concert, pat me on the back. It was 200 bucks. That isn't shit. Sitting in a row like taking some road, like you could take anything from that. But the fact is, is like you could look at your life and say, where am I not taking my seat or where am I being timid? I'm training a new, I'm training a new sales guy right now. And he's a mumble rapper. And he's not really a mumble rapper, but, but he just like, and he's a military guy. He's a buck sergeant. He's an E5. He, like he's got some, some people who are under his under his leadership. And I know that when he's in that situation, he's barkier, he's growlier, he's louder. But in this situation, like there's this timid thing that he's doing. I'm like, look, bro, when you're talking to people about finance, when you're talking to people about buying a car, this is a big purchase. You can't pussyfoot around the process. You have to speak with confidence and conviction so that they have confidence that you know what the hell you're talking about and they'll follow you through this process. You lead them through the process. You don't shove them or whisper, mumble wrap them to the finish line. It just doesn't work. You'll get lucky and you'll have a sale here or there. But until you're confident in your ability, you will struggle. Until you, with conviction, look at your spouse and say, you are fucking sexy. Like, I am pursuing you. I love you. You are perfect. I will murder 10 people for you. Who is it? Where do, where do you want me to hide the bodies? Now, if you know my wife, you know she doesn't love profanity at all. So I have these little micro things that I do and say that's borderline ornery. I don't look at Joy and say, I fucking love you. I do fucking love her. 
but she doesn't get a warm and fuzzy from that. So I'll walk into the kitchen and I'll scream out loud. Like it's just her and I in the house. I found you miss new booty. And she'll turn around and you know, she appreciates the honoriness might not appreciate the method, but I say everything that I say to her with confidence. I'll say, man, I really kind of love you. I just think that you're really amazing. And, and I just want you to know that. No, I'm like, dude, I love you. I'm in this fight for you, with you, behind you. I've got you. And she knows it. There's not a shadow of a doubt. She knows it. She knows what I, whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm focused on, if she truly dials the 911, I'm there. Everything else goes to shit. Everything gets sidelined when she calls and truly needs me. Kids are in a close second. When we say the bulletproof mafia, it's because that's exactly how we treat it. If somebody wrongs one of us, they wrong all of us. If somebody comes at one of us, they come at all of us. If somebody pisses one of us off, hey, guess what? You've got like, there's, there's a pack of us that you get to contend with. If one of us are hurting, everyone stops to console. We're in this together. And we confidently take those seats as a, as a, we call it our core family. We're that circle. You ever watched uh, Meet the Parents? The circle of trust. Well, we built on that a little bit. It's a little bit different. I don't think in, in Meet the Parents they talk about ganking people, but we will stab somebody in the throat for one another. And so for us, that's what it's about. That's the conversation. That's the pursuit. That's the hunt. We take our seat. In your career, you know, I'm talking about this guy that I'm training, and I watch him when he gets confident and he has a win. Like, dude, he, he, he lights up. He gets brighter. The energy off of him just erudes for me. And I see so much potential in this guy. And he just hasn't had any formal sales training. He just doesn't know. And he doesn't know that a second that he associates that internal at his core power with the opportunity to lead people through a, through, through, look, buying a car is a shitty experience most of the time. But again and again and again, we do it in a way that, that helps people, fulfills their need. And we do it without being slime ball, snaky, sneaky bullshitters. We're very transparent. Here's what it is. We're in this to make money, but this car is exactly what you need. We're adding value to your life. Here's what that looks and feels like. And we do that with so much confidence, a little bit of bravado, but we take them through that process in a way that gives them peace about the decision that they're making. And so many of those people, we wouldn't get a chance to help if we didn't take the seat. If we didn't in confidence say, we know exactly what we're doing. We know exactly how to do it. We can help you. You're in a shitty spot. We've got you. That same guy who I'm talking about, that could be you. You could go to work right now and you're in your work environment. You're thinking, man, so-and-so got that job. They didn't deserve that. Their skills weren't there. Like I'm better than they are. I deserved that promotion. But you know what they did that you didn't do? They went in that room and they freaking owned it. They went in with that confidence. They took their seat and you can't argue they didn't deserve it because you got beat. You might see the bullshit that they do outside of it, but where are you being timid? Where are you not taking the seat? Where are you not convincing a row of people that that's your spot? Whether it actually is or not, whether it makes sense or it doesn't, you and your belief in yourself will dictate your ability to, to move forward, to progress, to rise up. And, we, and it's crazy because it's a slippery slope. The higher you rise, the easier it is to have this confidence. The higher you get, the better you progress, the farther down the path, the, the easier it is to say, look, 
I'm, I'm the mother trucker that did that. Look behind me. Look at what I did. But on the same hand, you've had a lifetime. Some of you have just being beat down. And so you're like, yeah, Michael, but I'm not where you are. I don't have the experience you have, or I might not have the money you have, or I might not have the success or whatever the story, whatever the bullshit lie that's running in your head. The truth is you just need to take your seat. And the next seat is the next step. Whether you're talking about your career, your relationships. I mean, we're not always talking about spouses when I say relationships, right? It could be your kids. You could suck as a parent. Or you could at least suck at teaching your kids how to live in this world. Or you could just suck at raising the kids and they're absolute terrorists and they're destroying you emotionally or they're destroying your home or they're destroying your reputation or they're destroying, destroying, destroying. Like there are lots of ways that you not standing up and owning the seat of the parent, your household could be in shambles. This isn't a conversation for the meek, for the timid, for the weak. This is for the kings and queens who want to own the seats. And every one of us, myself included, like I, I'm, I'm not just sitting here saying, oh, look, I'm perfect. And I, I take every freaking seat I want. That's just not the truth. I would be a liar if I said that. But I needed this download. I needed this message. I needed this experience. Not because I got to listen to two songs. Like that didn't, like being a little closer. I don't care about that. To me, the dissecting of the lesson and applying it to the rest of my life, that's what I'm hunting. That's what I'm trying to share with you. I truly think that if you, if you back up and you, you evaluate your life, you'll find some areas where you need to get some confidence and take your seat. Now, I, I took this to my daughter, Maggie. And I said, uh, hey, listen to this lesson I, I got. And I shared it with her and she goes, yeah. But you could look at it the other way too. And that is that um, you charged ahead fictionally. And maybe because you didn't have the facts right, you took a seat that wasn't yours and missed the opportunity that God had for you if you would have slowed down and showed a little bit more mercy. And 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 if you had just paused back, sought, sought wise counsel, if you had listened to them and took their word for it, you wouldn't have, because as great as you got to listen to a couple songs and you took your seat, you displaced those people from being able to have their seat. And I said, Maggie, I don't want to talk to you about this anymore. <laughs> and I didn't because she's right. And there is a balance. For some of us, we're, we charge so hard that we probably do rub some people the wrong way. We probably do disrupt, disrupt waters that we shouldn't. We probably should seek counsel before we make moves. And sometimes we don't. And sometimes that bites us in the ass. But I took a few days since that conversation, because I was going to go do a podcast that day on it. I took a few days since that, from that conversation because, because I really wanted to let it resonate, what she said, because I thought, ooh, that's a lateral to this message that uh, I hadn't thought about. 
And after I thought about it, I thought, no, it doesn't like, look, that's not what it is. Like what I needed to hear and what I think you need to hear is that there's opportunity in boldness. There's opportunity in being confident and there's opportunity in taking your seat. Recognizing that that seat at the table is yours for the taking and going and getting savvy Built tougher than your average, ultimate hustler. I'm the total package, bulletproof. I know you see me in your scope. I'm the captain of the ship. You just a sailor with a boat, bulletproof.